0: So let's just have a quick recap. As as Yami said, we're working through Colossians. We've been working through Colossians 3 uh, for three weeks now. This This is our fourth week. Quick look back on last week, if this works. Yeah. We were talking about changing our grave clothes for grace clothes. I'm saying you can't wear two sets of clothes at the same time. It's very uncomfortable to wear two shirts. I would imagine, because I've never tried it, but it would be very uncomfortable to wear two dresses. Um, So you can't wear two sets of clothes at the same time. So Paul tells us to take off our grave clothes from our old life, our old sinful life, and to put on our grace clothes of the new life. And we're also living under four things, the grace of Christ, the peace of Christ, the word of Christ, and the name of Christ. And if you weren't here last week, if you want to find out more about that, read uh, Colossians 3, 12 to 17, because that's where that was taken from. So that's just a very quick recap on last week. I wonder if this is why... Come on. Can you move on? Oh. Right. Oh. I wonder if this is why Yami asked me to do this today and why Bob missed out last week. Because this is instructions for how to live, instructions for Christian households. But I want to share with you some other ideas um, that are kind of to do with this. Oh, come on. Sorry, this clicker has been used a lot last week and I think the batteries have died. Ah. So these are from my daughter. She has these on her... um, Fridge, live simply, laugh often, love much, dream big. That's one way of looking at how to have instructions for life. Another one is, housework won't kill you, but why take the chance? Yeah, that's a good one. And if you'd seen Rachel's house, she lives by that one. My favorite. If chocolate is the answer, who cares what the question is? (laughs) But sometimes there are more formal ways of expressing these rules. Some of you may may... recognize this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And our American friends tell us that is from the American Declaration of Independence. Oh, my word. (laughs) But, there is another one. This constitution shall bind all executive, legislative, and uh, judicial organs of the state, at all levels of government, and all the peoples of blank are entitled to equal protection of this constitution and laws made under it. What's the blank? What's the blank? Malawi, (laughs) that is actually Chapter 1, Section 6 of the Constitution of the Republic of Malawi. I found it online, so I'm hoping it's right. But that's from the Malawian Constitution. But the Bible also has some really good um, instructions. Wash, your hand, wash and make yourself clean. Take your, your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. They're the grave clothes, if you like. They're the things we've got to put off. Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Isaiah says in chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, And perhaps one of the most famous ones out of which has grown an organization in the UK. And this says, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord... require of you to act justly to love mercy and walk humbly with your God that's a pretty good instruction to live by and that's from Micah 6 7 and 8 so we're looking today at instructions for Christian households but before that let's pray Father God, I pray by your spirit that my spoken words will take us through your written word and lead us to your living word, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Why do we need instructions for Christian households? Well, I came across this. oops, from Confucius, the strength of a nation is derived from the integrity of its homes. And I think there's a lot in that. If our home life is strong, if our families are strong, then there is a good chance that the nation may follow suit. It's interesting that after God created the heavens and the earth and everything that was in it, the first thing he created, if you like, after resting on the Sabbath day, was he created a family. Now, it's not the best example of a family. They didn't do what God said and one killed the other, but he created a family. That was then the victim of the fall, and we are still in our families, victims of the fall. But there is hope. There is hope. So let's get to today's reading, Colossians three eighteen to four one. Instructions for Christian households. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. And do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their, eyes, their eye is on you, but to curry favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters since you know that you will receive an an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you have a master in heaven. So let's have a look through this. instructions remember that these are instructions for Christian households wives submit to your husbands oh hang on a minute that sounds a bit harsh wives submit to your husband we need to pause we need to pause because whenever we take a verse we need to make sure we know what the context is. Because someone very wisely said that text without a context is just a (laughs) con. And I think we have this here today. But I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a young man. He was in my youth group many years ago when I was a youth leader. Steve was 15 or 16 and was going out with a young lady called Marie. They were at school together. And then when the youth group joined, most of the kids were from the same school because one of their teachers was the co-leader. But then the daughter of the organist from the church joined the youth group and her name was Francis. And Steve was then in a mess because he was going out with Marie, but he really liked the look of Francis and wondered what he should do. And for weeks, he agonized. Do I keep going out with Marie or do I stop going out with her and start going out with Francis? And then one Saturday afternoon, uh, before the youth group met at my house, Steve arrived really early. And Dave, the other leader, and I were setting things up. And Steve came in and he said, I've sorted it out. He said, I'm going to stop going out with Marie and I'm going to go out with Francis. And we said, okay, how did you come to that decision? He said, well, Thursday night. Thursday, again. Thursday night, I was... All over the place and I was sat on my bed and I got my Bible and I opened my Bible and I pointed at a verse and the verse said and Jesus said cast your net on the other side of the boat (laughs) so we counseled him I cannot hear that portion of scripture without having a chuckle and thinking about Steve. But that's the problem. We so often take verses out of context and we try to apply them to our lives. And poor old Paul, that happens so, so many times with him, that people will take a verse out of context and try to apply it. So, what's the context of what we're looking at today? We could go through the whole of chapter 3, because that puts this last section of chapter 3 into context. But I just want to look at last week. And what I want to do is read what we had last week, without that awkward subheading in. I hate them sometimes in the Bible. I'd love somebody to produce a bible without subheadings because you don't put subheadings when you write a letter to somebody and you don't read a letter in little chunks you read the whole thing so if we have what we had last week and then go on to what we have this week we can see the context therefore as God's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience from the spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts and whatever you do whether in word or deed do it in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children obey your parents and so we go on. So what Paul is saying is, take all of the graces that we talked about last week. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, and love. Live in the peace of Christ. Live under the word of Christ. Live under the name of Christ. And with all of these things, wives, love your husbands, submit to your husbands so it's not a baseball bat or a stick to bash your wife with because you're supposed to be doing this in love and forbearance and kindness and gentleness living in the peace of Christ when we read this section in the context in which it was written in the rest of chapter 3 we see a whole different way of approaching it And that's what we need to think about. And there's a very important thing that we need to bear in mind. Submission is not slavery. Warren Wearsby, who I know Yami has quoted before, wrote an excellent commentary on Colossians. And this is a quote from him. We must not think of submission as slavery or subjugation. The word comes from the military vocabulary and simply means to arrange under rank. The fact that one soldier is a private and another is a colonel does not mean that one is necessarily better than the other. It only means they have different ranks. Submitting to your husband is not a way of your husband just sitting back and making you his slave. Submitting to your husband just means that you have different things to do. Husbands can't bear children. Wives can. Sometimes husbands think they can't cook. That's simply because they just want to sit back and let the wife get on with it. We have to be careful that we don't see submission, as Paul talks about this, as bondage, because it isn't. Love runs through this passage and the passage we heard last week. But the problem is in Greek, well, I thought there were four words for love in Greek. And when I googled them to find out what was what, I actually put in, four Greek words for love. And I got seven, and I got six, and I got five, and eventually, I found the four I wanted. Philia, from which in America we get Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. An affectionate, warm, and tender platonic love that makes you desire friendship with somebody. That's philia. Eros, a passionate, intense love that arouses romantic feelings, the kind of love that often triggers high feelings in a new relationship. And I apologize, I realize there's spelling mistakes on there. So that's two types of love. My ancient Greek is not up to scratch. and yeah? know um, Kingsley's really good at it, so I'm not sure if this is storg, storge, or storgy. Storge, the one I didn't go for. (laughs) The natural love that parents have for their children, the love that members of the family have for each other, or that close friends have for each other. And finally, Agape, an unconditional love that sees beyond the outer surface and accepts the recipient for whomever he or she is regardless of their faults, flaws, or shortcomings. It is about sacrifice and loving without expecting anything in return. Guess what, guys? That's the one we are supposed to show to our wives. An unconditional love that sees beyond the outer surface and accepts the recipient for whomever she is, regardless of their faults, flaws, or shortcomings. It's about sacrifice and living without expecting anything, or loving without expecting anything in return. Ephesians 5.25, the one that I got the elbow in the ribs for. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That is the ultimate example of agape love. And guys, that is the love we should be showing to our wives, that we are willing, if need be, literally to die for her. Just think about that because that's what we are being called to. Because Christ died for his bride, the church. And we husbands are being called, if need be, to die for our wives because that's how much we love them. I'm just going to let that sink in for the husbands for a moment a whole different look on this passage it's not just an arm around oh there there dear everything will be okay it's willing to die for your wife willing to do anything absolutely anything for your wife but there are some thoughts for both husbands and wives the Christian husband and wife must be open and honest with each other and not hide their feelings or lie to one another. One of the things that has been important for Lindsay and for me over our 38 years of marriage is a simple phrase that we we came up with right at the beginning of our marriage. No secrets, no secrets. We shouldn't have secrets from one another. We should be open and honest. And we should be able to talk openly and honestly with each other in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, Speaking the truth in love is a good way of f- uh, settling family differences. Ephesians 4.26 says, let not the sun go down on your wrath. It's a wise policy to follow if you want to have a happy home. If you have an argument, and let's face it, which marriage doesn't have arguments? But if you have an argument, don't go to bed until you've sorted it out. And this applies to anybody. If you're in a family situation, if a child has had an argument with a parent or a parent with a child, settle it before you go to bed. Lindsay tells a story of somebody that she knew who had a blazing row with her dad and left left the house where his dad was to go home and didn't settle it. And during that night, her dad died. So the last words that she had with her dad before he died were spoken in anger because they didn't make it up before the sun had set. Speak the truth in love. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Two very important instructions. And of course, Paul again in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not eagerly angered, it keeps no records of wrongs. A man once said of his wife, You know, every time I do something wrong, my wife goes historical. And his friend said, don't you mean hysterical? And he said, no, historical. She tells me everything I've ever done wrong. Love keeps no records of wrong. Love is patient. Love is kind. Read 1 Corinthians 13 if you want to find out what love really is. It is the most amazing passage. And these are more instructions for us to live by. This time as a a couple, not just as a wife, not just as a husband, but as a unit. And by extension how we should live as a family unit whether that's through marriage or, dare I say, as we are a family in this church. We need to be loving each other. We need to be kind to each other, not envying what other people can do, not boasting about what we can do, not proud, not rude, not self-seeking, and certainly not keeping um, records of wrongs. These are really great instructions for Christian living, not just for Christian households. Now, we've dealt with mum and dad. Words for kids of all ages. Paul says, children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. But again, let's think back to what we were talking about, about the graces and all that lot. we're we're, we're obeying our parents in that context. Exodus 20, 12 says, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I have probably, I I, I don't know how many times I've read the Ten Commandments or had them read to me or been preached on them, but something I hadn't realized until I look through it this time. That commandment is the sixth commandment. And it's the first commandment after all of those referring directly to God. I am the Lord your God. You will have no other gods but me. You will not make any idols or graven images. You will not take my name in vain. You will observe the Sabbath. Children, Obey your parents, or honor your father and mother, as it says in Exodus. And that's before we go into murder and lying and lust and, 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 and. So it's obviously really important that when God gave Moses those ten commandments, he dealt with the five that were specifically about him. And when he got to the five that was specifically about us, his first commandment was to children, to honor your father and mother. And I don't care how old you are or how old your parents are, if they're still alive, you honor your father and mother. This is for children of all ages. And it's right up there. So, so, some words for parents fathers do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged this is another double whammy for me because i will very often say to our girls children obey your parents and give them a nudge and then when it comes to fathers do not embitter your children it comes back it comes back in spades as they say with a, like their mum they get it from their mum a, a good strong elbow but it's very easy for parents to embitter their children. It's very easy for parents to discourage their children. So some thoughts for parents. Parents need to listen and be patient as their children talk to them. How many times when your kids are talking to you, maybe they've done something special at school, maybe they've, they've won an award or something, and you're only listening with half an ear. Parents need to be patient and listen to their children. A listening ear and a loving heart always go together. A child once said, you took time to have me, but you won't take time to listen to me. How many children does that apply to? Because the parents think they've got so much more important things to do. We have never hid anything, hidden anything from our girls. Even to the point when we had very little or no money and they wanted things and we had to explain to them why we couldn't do it. It wasn't just a case of, no, you can't have that. We had to. We had them understand why we were saying no. So that they knew what what position, what situation our family was in. And one day, Nami came home from school after her first year, um, at first Christmas at, at high school, which was a private school which we managed, thanks to the government, to get her in. And she said, as we were sat around the dinner table, and she was very quiet this day, which is very unusual for Naomi. And I turned around to her and said, Are you okay? What's wrong? And she said, Aren't people ungrateful? Now, we'd had a very quiet, very small Christmas because of financial problems, but we'd had a great time as a family. And Naomi said, there are girls in my school from much, much more affluent families. And they were saying today, well, I only got a DVD player for Christmas. I only got an SLR camera for Christmas. I only got a keyboard for Christmas. And Naomi said, why can't they just accept what they've got? And I think part of her feeling of that was because she knew what we'd gone through and she had a different set um, of of objectives to live by. She, She had given her life to the Lord by that time. So listen to your kids. Parents sometimes use their children as weapons for fighting against each other. uh, Father will forbid Junior from doing something, but mother will veto that order and give her approval. The child is caught between his parents and before long learns to play, how to play both ends against the middle. Parents, you have got to be united when you are dealing with your children. This situation is toxic. Kid goes to one and says, can I do this? No, goes to the other and says, can I do this? Oh yes, off you go. It's toxic and it will, the, the one who said no then goes along and says, why have you let him do that? I said No oh, well, I, I didn't know you'd said no. He didn't say that. So the kids are kind of picking in the middle and the parents are at each other. And we have a family that is becoming dysfunctional because they're not listening to the children, they're not listening to each other and they're not being united in what they say. This again was from and um, It's a great quote. There's a man called John H. Starkey who was a criminal, violent criminal in the UK. He murdered his own wife, then was convicted for the crime and executed. The officials asked General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, to conduct Stark's funeral. Booth faced as ugly and mean a crowd as he'd ever seen in his life. But his first words stopped them in, his tra- in their tracks. John H. Stacy never had a praying mother. Parents, do you pray for your children? Do you pray for your children regularly? Are you committing them to God in everything that they're doing? In their development, in their career choices, in their choices of friends, in their choices of marriage partners, when they have kids remember what that child said you, had ty- you took time to have me but you won't take time to listen to me we could easily say you won't take time to pray for me to be concerned about what choices I'm making Paul really gets to the heart of family life in this passage. And it's not, as I say, it's not a bludgeon. It's not something to hit the other person over the head with because we're doing this in love and kindness and gentleness and forbearance and so on and so on. For me, the hardest part of this section is the last section and it's because, of the f- it's because of the language. Slaves. So I've said Sorry, where are we? Oh, that was the Starkey. Sorry. Um, I've said employees obey your earthly masters, the employers. So I would imagine that most people in this room today are either employers or employees. And Paul is talking to both of you. On the one hand, he said, if you're working for somebody, do it, do it to the best of your ability. Do it as if you were working for for God. I said to somebody last week that one of the worst phrases I think Christians can ever can ever say when they're doing work in the church, is, oh, that'll do. It's not perfect, but that'll do. And I challenged somebody who'd said that once, and I said, if you were working, if you were at work and your boss asked you to do something and you skimped it, but you said, oh, that'll do, what would his reaction be? And he said, well, I guess he wouldn't be too pleased. So I said, why do you think God will be pleased with that'll do? In everything you do, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. So you're in the office or the workplace or wherever you are. You are working for the Lord because he has put you there. And he is watching you. And he is seeing how you deal with the work that you've been given. And how you deal with your co-workers and your boss. So you're not just working for your earthly employer. You are working for the Lord and then he says masters provide your slaves or employers provide your employees with what is right and fair because you know you have a master in heaven you as, as an employer are being looked at also by God who is your heavenly master And if you are not treating your employees well, he will know. There was a lovely video clip on the BBC News Channel uh, a couple of weeks ago of a woman who'd set up a dot-com business in the UK. And she had lots of employees who had children. And it was coming up to school holidays. And they were worried about what they would do about childcare. So she went to a shop and she bought all kinds of toys and tents and play tunnels and what have you and said to her employees, bring your kids in. She employed a registered childminder to look after the kids. So the kids came into the office and she said, look, if you want to go play with them for a while, go play with them because it's important that you have time with your kids. So there were pictures of, of, the, of, the, of the guys and the, the women leaving their desks and going to play, play with their kids for 10 or 15 minutes. And productivity in that office went whoosh because her... Employees were happy. She had provided something over and above. Now, I don't know if she was a Christian, but she was certainly living out Colossians 4.1. She certainly was providing her employees with what is right and fair. And that's what we've got to think about. what do you do if you're asked to do something at work that's contrary to your Christian faith? Um, Our vicar three back at our church in Newcastle in England his wife has a brother and he was working in a factory and a delegation of workers came up to him one day and said we want you To be our spokesman in negotiations with the bosses. And he thought for a minute and he said, Okay, but you need to understand I am a Christian and my Christian faith is central to who I am. I will do this, but I will not accept any bribes, I will not be manipulated by the management or by you, I will do everything straight down the middle and as clean as I can do. And they turned around and said, that's why we want you. Because they saw his life and knew what his life was like. That is where we should be. what is the right way to challenge a coworker or an employer if they're doing something wrong? I'm just putting these questions up there. I'm not trying to answer them. But these are the things that employers and employees need to think about and need to think about in the context of these verses in Colossians. There are times we have to stand up for what we believe in we have a friend who actually resigned from his job because the company, he was in a managerial position, the company were changing their policy which made life harder for the guys at the sharp end. It was a bus company and it was making life harder for the drivers and the conductors on the buses. And John objected and made his objections known. And when they were ignored, he said, all I can do then is is resign from this company. And he did, and it caused them problems. But he stuck by his faith. So, to conclude, what do we need to take away from what we've heard today? Make sure you see things in their proper context. Make sure you read the Bible in the proper context. Don't be Steve. Don't be Steve. There was another story about a man who was looking for um, advice in the Bible, and he opened the Bible and he pointed to a verse, and it said, "Um, Judas went and hanged himself. Oh, I don't like that. Bang! Go you and do likewise. No, I don't want that. Bang! And do it quickly. (laughs) That's not the way to get advice from the Bible. Read things in context. What's before it? What's after it? These instructions for Christian households are not meant to be burdens. Jesus said. My yoke is easier, my burden is light. He's not like the Pharisees who had the Ten Commandments, and then added hundreds of subclauses and other commandments that weighed down on, um, on people's backs. We heard from the kids at SLC about taking a, they, they were looking at um, Hebrews 12:1 and we're saying sometimes we feel as if we're running with a heavy rucksack on our back. God wants to release that rucksack so we can run with perseverance. These instructions are meant to make life better. Wives, remember that submission is not slavery. Husbands, remember we are loving our wives with agape love which means that we will give up everything even our lives for her parents listen to and pray for your children even maybe especially when they are grown up and they've left home don't just leave them out there pray for them all the time and don't forget to put the graces in order in, 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 into practice compassion kindness humility gentleness patience forbearance, forgiveness. And over all of these graces, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Amen.